Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis. This is the Catholic podcast where you will discover spunk and motivation to live a vibrant and transformational life as a child of God. I'm Rochelle Lucero, and I invite you to walk with me as we dive into all the things that Jesus gave us to do just that. I'm talking about the Bible, Catholic tradition, church documents, the catechism, the saints, the fathers, the doctors of the church, you name it, and I'll draw from it. You and I together, we are going to transform the world by letting Christ transform us. Hey, what's up? My name is Rochelle Lucero, and I'm really glad that you've come to hang out with me today on the Clumsy Theosis podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Join me right now in thanking our top financial supporters, Vincent, Gina, Sherry, Jason, T-Rex, Lewis, and Gary. They are among many financial supporters and donors to the Clumsy Theosis podcast, but they are our top supporters, and so they get a special shout out. Our show is only possible because of the donations of our listeners. Today, I want to talk to you about you, Jesus, and restoration. If you've been around for a while, you may remember that I like to do a post-Lent review. This is where I prayerfully look back on the season and I identify any themes in my struggles during Lent or the conversations that I've had with God. Sometimes it's a recurring word or a phrase. Other times it's a scripture or it's just like a general theme that frequently comes up throughout the season and it pricks my heart and it stays with me for a while. And normally I like to let the dust settle on the season before I go back and do this. I feel like it gives me more clarity. But this year the Holy Spirit had his own plans and he was pounding on my heart during Holy Week. So here we are. The theme for my Lent, drumroll please was the woman with the hemorrhage. And there's an underlying theme here of restoration. The scriptures tell us that this woman trailed behind Jesus through the crowd for who knows how long until she was finally able to touch him. And I think after this Lent, Jesus and I are a little bit closer, if for no other reason than the fact that we now have a shared experience of being followed by this woman with the hemorrhage. Because let me tell you, she followed me around for 40 days. But I'm really glad that she did because the Lord revealed some beautiful promises and words to me that I'd love to share with you because I think that they are universal. The stuff about your Lenten journey, your theosis, and Jesus's promises of restoration. Those things I think are universal and that's why I want to share them. Now back to the story of the woman with the hemorrhage, the super bare bones of the story. She had an incurable flow of blood that lasted for 12 years, which made her ritually unclean and therefore an outsider in Jewish culture. Now trying and failing for all of these years to find a cure for this endless flow of blood, she ended up going broke. She has nothing, right? She has no family, no friends, no money, no anything. But then she purposefully touches the hem of Jesus's robe. He feels power leave him and she is healed. Now, touching the hem of Jesus's robe did more for her than physically heal her. Get this. Jesus restored her whole life. And most of the time, sadly, I forget this. I always think about that immediate surface level healing. But there's so much more that he restored because he restored everything in her life. Because now that the flow of blood had dried up, she's no longer considered ritually unclean. And that meant she can now worship again in the temple. 
right? And Jewish Jewish life revolved around temple worship. So Jesus restored her relationship with God by bringing her back to a life of worship. Another thing that he restored were her relationships because now she could be around people. Because remember, people back then would have avoided her because of her status of being unclean, which would make them unclean if they were around her. But now she could have her family again. She could have her friends again. She could share her daily life with people. She could even share meals with people, something that we probably take for granted. Jesus restored her relationships. Also, before her affliction, this woman had dreams and she had hopes and she had a calling on her life that she probably wanted to pursue, right? Like all of us, we have dreams and hopes and we want to pursue them. We want them to be fulfilled. But her being unclean, unable to worship, and without any sort of relationships for so long, you can imagine that she probably gave up on those dreams, on her heart's desires and her hopes, which is so, so sad and heartbreaking. But now that she was able to worship again, she was able to have relationships restored in her life, she could now pick up those dreams again, those dreams that had previously been crushed for so long. Jesus restored her future. Also, don't forget this one. This one is like my favorite, I think. When Jesus is talking to her after he feels the power come out of him, he's talking to her and he tells her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Daughter. He called her daughter. And in that word, Jesus restored her identity as a daughter of God, as a child of the Most High, which, like I said, I think is the most crucial. It's like the linchpin in this restoration bomb that Jesus detonated in her life. We hear all the time that Jesus came to reconcile us to the Father, to heal us from our sins and from death, and to bring us restoration. But sometimes I don't think that we realize exactly what that can look like and how far that can spread, right? Just like he did for the woman with the hemorrhage, he restored everything in her life. He can do the same thing for us and he wants to do the same thing for us because that is what he came for. The scripture says that before the woman was healed, she said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And I've prayed those words. I've prayed those words without realizing exactly what I was praying. That prayer is a prayer of full body, full soul, and full life restoration. There's this custom in the Byzantine Catholic liturgy for the laity to touch the hem of the priest's vestments, um, invoking the faith as well as the promise of Jesus, but invoking the faith of this woman with the hemorrhage. And I think it's really cute, like when you see it happening during the processions. So there's two times during our liturgy where the priest leaves the sanctuary space and he processes out of the sanctuary, down the side aisle, across the back of the church, and then back up the center aisle of the church back to the sanctuary. And when he does this, so there's the two times. So first time he does it with the reading, second time he does it uh, with the gifts for the Eucharist. And each time he does this procession, the lady, even the little kids, the lady stick out their arms just so that their fingertips can graze the hem of the priest's robes. But like the woman with the hemorrhage, we are praying that prayer with our body saying, if only I can touch the hem of this garment, I will be healed. I think it's so cute. But again, it's also such a powerful experience. Mm, Also, and many years ago, 
many years ago, when I came back to the faith, I was a mess. My heart and my life, they felt like they had been like annihilated. And I used to go to this little adoration chapel at Our Lady of the Rosary in Little Italy in San Diego. And if you've ever been there, you know, it's, it's the size of a closet, a very small closet. There's only enough room for like five chairs in there. And when you're kneeling down on the kneeler, you are so close to the tabernacle that you can literally stick your arm out and you can touch the edge of the tablecloth that the tabernacle is resting on. And you guessed it. I sure did reach out my hand and I would touch the edge of that tablecloth. Every time I went there for adoration, I would rub the edge of the tablecloth and it was this really um, fine lace. It was so pretty and I was always afraid to touch it, you know, because it's kind of delicate. I was like, I don't want to be the person that rips it. But I couldn't stop myself. I would always want to rub the edge of that tablecloth with my fingers. And when I would do that, I would pray the words of that woman with the hemorrhage. You know, Lord, if I could only touch the hem of your robe, I'll be healed. And this was like 12 to 13 years ago. And I had completely forgotten up until this Lent when the woman with the hemorrhage reminded me of this prayer that I was praying. But you know what? At the time when I was doing that, I didn't realize that I was asking for full restoration. My mindset was so small. It was just on this immediate thing that I was focusing on that I felt that needed to be healed. And not that it was small to Jesus. It was just, it was small when I think about all the other things that he was healing and wanted to heal along with that one little thing that I was asking for because he wanted to bring me full restoration. He has been in the process of bringing me that full restoration. And every time I've stuck out my hand during the Byzantine liturgy and let my fingertips graze the hem of the priest's robes, I was not consciously realizing the enormity of what I was praying with my body, with that gesture. But now it's like all that I can think about. It's all, everything in my prayer comes back around to this, this full restoration. In Isaiah 61, it portrays the coming of the Messiah, also known as Jesus. And we read, the spirit of the Lord God has come upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. And it goes on and on. And I'm really thankful for this realization because I'm not asking for anything more in my prayer than what Jesus has already offered because Jesus wants to fulfill that promise of restoration that was prophesied by Isaiah. And he wants to do this in a personal way that is spiritual. Yes, he wants my soul. He wants my salvation, but also in a tangible, physical, worldly way, if you would. And while I've been thinking and praying about this woman a lot and her story, as you can imagine, for 40 days, she's following me around. I can do hardly anything else but to think about her and her story. I have come to this place where I have a couple of questions. Now, tell me if you've ever wondered about this. First, her flow of blood deemed her unclean, and that status is what isolated her from society because interaction with other people would make them unclean by association, right? We've established this. So by the thinking of the day, for her to touch Jesus would be something that would make him unclean. But she didn't think that that would happen. But she thought that would happen with everybody else in her life, right? In fact, 
she knew instead of her touch making Jesus unclean, he would actually make her clean. Now that's completely and utterly countercultural. And where did that come from? Where did she get that thought from? We'll come back to that. Second, the scriptures tell us that everyone was pressing in on Jesus, in effect, to touch him, right? So why was it her touch? Why was that touch the only one that took some of his healing power and even made him exclaim, you know, who touched me? You know, because he felt the power come out of him. What made her touch different? What made her thinking different? And the answer is faith. It was spontaneous, supernatural faith that made her think the way that heaven thinks, not the way that the world thinks. And we need to think the way that heaven thinks. We need to think the way that God thinks. St. Paul tells us to put on the mind of Christ because faith is not something that we can manufacture. Faith comes by what is heard and what is heard comes from the preaching of Christ. That's what St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans. And the woman with the hemorrhage, she heard the word of God in person. But we can also hear the word of God through the scriptures and have it echoed through our prayer in our hearts in all of that time that we set aside while we are in relationship with him. And that can create that same supernatural faith that thinks the way that heaven thinks. But the thing is, we have to spend time with the word. We have to immerse ourselves deeply and daily in it through relationship with Jesus, right? We can't just decide to have faith. Like, okay, I'm deciding right now to have faith. We need actual relationship with Jesus to have faith. You can make that decision. Yeah, I'm going to have relationship with Jesus. I'm going to spend time with him in his word and with him, the word himself. Because that's the way that we'll come to know and experience that supernatural faith that proclaims that Jesus has come to bring restoration over us. And the way you do that is by speaking them, speaking his truth and praying his truth over you today, right now with me. And you guessed it, we're going to do that through declarations. Declarations is just that. It's us speaking God's truth, his word over us and accepting it coming into agreement with what he has already promised. All right, so you can find these declarations on the website. There's going to be a link in the show notes for that. If you want to revisit them, if you want to see what scriptures these are inspired from, which I highly recommend that you do. All right, so let's partner with heaven. Get yourself into a prayer posture and repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I declare and decree. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Jesus speaks to me and I hear his voice. Jesus has come to bring restoration to my life, spiritually and physically. Spending time with God's word will make me think the way that heaven thinks with the mind of Christ. Amen. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope you will do your own Lenten review. And if you want, you can share it with me. You can email me clumsytheosis at gmail.com or you can contact me on any of my socials, all of which are linked down in the show notes. Until our next episode, peace out. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Since you made it this far, you know what that means, right? We're like totally best friends now. (laughs) But for real though, thanks so much for spending time with me and growing in your faith knowledge and letting Christ transform you. 
Since you stayed this long, I'm thinking that you liked the episode. So will you do me a favor and share it with a friend or all of your friends on social media? While you're online, I invite you to check out my website, clumsytheosis.net. There you're going to find all of the things that you need, such as how to get in touch with me, how to book me as a speaker, how to find my social channels, how to sign up for our weekly email, and very importantly, this is very important, how to donate if you'd like to support the show. This show is listened to in approximately 90 countries across the globe. So if you find value in this show, please consider donating at clumsytheosis.net. Anything that you give is very much appreciated and it is super helpful. All right. Thanks again for walking with me today. Remember that we can transform the world by letting Christ transform us.